Great. It's really great to be preaching this morning. I have this um, slightly stiff back, so if I'm sort of slightly, you kind of you know what that is. Um, um, last week we wasn't that good. That whole thing with the the church app stuff. I, I just thought this this is right up there. It's great. Well done, guys. Uh, that was the first time I'd seen that vid. I just thought, and, and all the actors, of course. I know, you know. Um, very, very good. Um, we're working through the book of Philippians, uh, and we're really just about at the end. We've sort of got one more preach after this, and then that's, that's us, and we're going to go into another whole series. Um, but that's where we're going to be landing in just a moment. I'm going to uh, preach the, uh, the actual verses that we're looking at. Last time, uh, Luke was just commending us to be full of joy and rejoicing in God. Uh, And uh, today we're going to be looking at the whole point of being content in whatever state you find yourself in. Let me ask you this morning, are you content with the lot that God has given you? Or are you sort of just wanting to be somewhere else? Are you looking across and thinking, that field over there looks greener than this one? Uh, Because it kind of just wears away at you and can eat away at you and kind of just become something that takes over you. And Paul is very much in these verses to the church in Philippi saying, you know what, I've learned a secret. And we're going to hear about that secret in just a minute. First of all, he, he kind of returns right at the beginning of the letter. Okay, we're, we're on chapter 4. Right at the beginning of the letter in chapter 1, he, he's thanking the church for their gifts to him. So money's come through, finally, uh, as we'll see, uh, has come through to him. Uh, Paul's in prison, um, and he, he receives this offering. And... Um, He's overjoyed. But what he's overjoyed about is their continued partnering with him. It's about, I'm so pleased that you're caught up relationally with what God's doing through you, through me. Uh, God is still at work. And it's like a partnering thing. And we're going to see that very strongly. On the one hand, he wants to thank them. This is kind of slightly funny thing where he, he's sort of thanking them and saying, thank you so much for your generous gift. I really, really appreciate it. And at the same time, he's also wanting to kind of just put a little caveat on that and say, not that, of course, I'm like being desperate and kind of I'm totally dependent on you. I'm actually my, where my dependence is firmly rooted is in with God. I know that God is the one who supplies all my needs. So but thank you very much, but it's God who really is looking after me. So these are simple verses, actually, and yet, you know what? I think very pertinent to us today in so many ways. They're deep truths that I think kind of get worked out in our life, throughout a whole of our life. We actually learn. The thing is, you know, if I'm saying to you, are you content? 
Are you content? Are you going to be content right through your life at each stage, each thing that kind of comes along? You're going to say, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really happy with this stage. I'm really content with this stage. This is, this is a good stage. And there's, there's lots of different stages, isn't there, of life. I was, um, I don't know if any of you watched the kind of live Shakespeare thing um, that's just been on, sort of celebrating, you know, uh, the life of Shakespeare. And uh, you've got that whole thing where, where he's talking about the, the seven ages of man, and it kind of takes you right through. Uh, you know, actually, are you content at the stage you're in, or are you kind of like thinking, oh, I wish I was like that, I wish I, that was the case? Or are you content in actually what God's, where, you, where you're at and what God's doing through you right now? It's really, really important, really deep truth. Uh, a guy called A.W. Pink, um, I just thought, Thank God I'm Clifton Brown, not Clifton Pink. You know, it's kind of like... <laughs> but anyway, A.W. Pink, that was obviously uh, his father's name, and that's what he lived with. Uh, was a, uh, a, a, he, he wrote a lot of, a lot of commentaries, okay? Um, good commentaries. He says, instead of complaining at his lot, a contented man is thankful that his condition and circumstances are no worse than they are, instead of greedily desiring something more than the supply of his present need, he rejoices that God still cares for him. And we're going to read the scripture. So picking it up, chapter 4, verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, well, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In, every, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. I'm just going to pray. Lord, I just pray, Father, we just earlier on in worship, we're just talking about your word and how it is active and at work. And I pray right now your, your word would really come and work in our hearts and bring us to a point where we really come through some things this morning. We really get some victory on some areas this morning that maybe we're struggling with. Lord, we just want to draw from your word and say it, it's relevant for our life today. There is nothing better. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's remind ourselves that Paul began the letter to the, at the church in Philippi with thanks for them. It says, thanks in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. He's thanking them for being partakers of grace with me, he calls it. And this is in chapter 1. And how he longs for you all with affection of Christ Jesus. Now this guy, Epaphroditus, uh, had taken the offering from Philippi across to Paul and finally reached Paul. Um, and this sense of kind of thank you for at last, having revived your concern for me, at first does sound a little bit like a rebuke. 
you know, doesn't it? <clears throat> thank you that you finally kind of remembered me. Uh, thank you for kind of finally getting uh, <clears throat> the offering along to me. There was a sort of, there's a kind of like sense of that. But actually what he's saying is, no, no, um, he qualifies it. He says, no, no, actually you didn't have the opportunity before. You know, you've now got the opportunity. And actually he says about the Philippians that they shared kind of better than anybody else. They, they, they were just, they were really generous uh, in their heart. Uh, and they shared in that kind of way. And I, I just, this kind of first part of this, I just want to kind of dwell in this thing of um, how Paul kind of links the thing of partnering with him, being fully behind him, being for him with their generosity. Yeah? He links those two things together, doesn't he? Um, and I just, as I thought about that, I thought, you know, this is very true. This is what Jesus says, um, Matthew 6, he talks about, you know, storing up your treasure. And he's basically saying, you kind of, basically this is the, a fact, that you will store up your treasure where your heart is connected. <laughs> where your heart is, that's where you're going to store your treasure. Basically, where, what you're connected to relationally and what you're passionate about, what you believe in, that is where you're going to invest in. And invest not only time, but also money. That's where you're going to invest. And I love Jesus. He's not ashamed talking about money. But money, can you talk about money, particularly in, the, in, in Great Britain? You, know, you, you don't talk about those kind of things. You know, no, no. He says, no, no. This is a fact. You, you're going to basically store your money. You're going to put your investment where your heart is connected. Yeah? He's, so he's actually saying, we, we get behind things that we say, oh, that's a great work. I really want to invest in that. I really want to put money behind that. I want to totally... So, so what you're saying is, yeah, I'm totally behind you, brother. I'm, I'm really, you know, I really think what you're doing is absolutely fantastic. And but I'm not going to help you at all. <laughs> it's sort of, it, it's incongruous. It doesn't, it, it's like, well, actually, if you're really behind it, then share. Share with me at this time. Yeah? Kind of earths it in a way, which we find, we, we, we struggle with sometimes, I think, in our culture. Because we kind of like, really, kind of like, let's keep money out of the whole thing, I think. Paul didn't have a problem with it. Jesus didn't have a problem with it. I think we need to be careful we don't have a problem with it. Because actually, there's a reality of the fact. See, we want to share in that kind of way. We have a choice as to what we invest in. And in three weeks' time, uh, as we heard in the announcements, uh, we're going to have Together for Scotland. We're also... At that time, we're going to have an offering um, for New Ground, this network of churches that we are part of. And we're going to, we're supporting. And we, we already give kind of, you know, monthly towards it. But actually, we're going to have a special offering that we're going to take to the leaders' conference. Some of us are going to go down to the uh, leaders' conference in June. Um, and what are we giving for? We're giving to see... Churches in Europe multiplied. 
We're giving towards seeing churches well overseen. We're giving to see apostolic mission continue. Why do we give? We give because that's what we believe in. Because actually we're saying, you know, this is what we're about. We want to see, we're going to see the gospel expanded throughout Europe and into nations that currently don't really know Jesus. We need to get behind that. We need to, it's not just going to happen, it's actually going to say, no, we really believe in that. It's great that you're going. It's great that you're involved in this. We know, you know, there's some young people that are kind of wanting to get into Berlin uh, and different other cities. And we're saying, we're behind you in this. We're behind you in this, pulling out our checkbooks and our money, saying, because we really want to bless this. So that's going to be a great opportunity for us to be able to give. Also, as I just mentioned, we've got this, this day on the 21st of May, this Together for Scotland Day, where we're gathering. And it's a, there's kind of great, it's great news for us. Great news partly because we don't have to travel anywhere else. It's going to be right here, okay? <laughs> which, is, which is lovely because often it's kind of, you know, down in London, we're going to take a flight or something. It's here. Uh, and as we heard, you know, for parents... There's going to be childcare. That's, that's a great thing to, to be able to put on. Uh, it's partnering, something, again, we really believe and we talk about. We want to see unity. You know, how often do I hear people saying, there just needs to be more unity in the church? How often do you hear that? Yeah? And this is, a, again, a, a great opportunity to partner with other churches that are different, a different stream, a different thing, but actually coming together and doing it together. It's a great opportunity because we believe in it. And it's great to be able to say, we're going to do this together. We're going to demonstrate something of that. Um, and as you, and, and we're going to hear about vision and we're going to get inspired and we're going to touch base with uh, people of faith who are going to inspire our faith. It's not just about teaching. You know, oh, that's an interesting teaching. It's actually about getting inspired and God prophetically speaking into us as a church and maybe you and me as an individual and saying, I just want to speak to you right now. God's got something for you right now. This is God's, you know, and God speaks at these times prophetically and calls us out and he calls and he's, you know, we have, you know, Paul that was set aside in such a meeting and then sent. You know, and there could be times where, where that happens in these kind of meetings. So I want to say, you know, be there. And we can do that online. <laughs> we can do that through church app. We also uh, can do it at the back today and just say, you know what? We've already got over 60 people coming, but we just, we'd love to see, you know, 160 people there. So uh, just sign up at the back afterwards. Another thing that we do, and I'm just going to, I'm speaking into this because it's kind of, I'm sharing some vision this morning, that as a church, you know, again, it's about commitment and it's about partnering and it's about being with, just as Paul's talking about the Philippians, being with him and partnering with him. And, you know, we've sent um, a number of people this last year down uh, to London um, 
to just catch some of the prayer days that we have as new ground. And you know, people like George and Chris and Gordon and Rachel and Janet and many others that have actually just gone down and we've said, you know what, we want to bless you, we want to send you down there just to catch some of this vision. Just to kind of, so you can see, what are we partnering with? What are we about? What is it? And it actually you come back and I tell you, it, it just amazes me. There's a, there's a suddenly, it's like I've caught something. This is a, gosh, this is just great hearing some of these people and what they're going to be doing and how there are people of my age who are who's suddenly feeling the call of God and are going out into new cities and with different languages and everything and seeing God do some stuff. And it's catching that vision. It's seeing what are we relation, relationally connected to. Another thing that we do is academy. And Luke's been great at just kind of helping us with this as a church. And we want you know, the church to catch some of, this, some of these values uh, and the kind of growth for uh, apostolic church planting and growth of the church building faith, you know, to have uh, over 40 people this last year coming uh, pretty much every, uh, every month to a sort of two-day session here uh, and just learning some of these values. It is about, this is partly the same thing of actually being connected up relationally. Again, um, it's something which if you haven't done it, you've got opportunity to do it this coming September. So back to the passage. Paul is commending them for their concern. You have done well, he says in verse 14, to share with me in my affliction. We give to what we're connected to. We give to the church because we're connected in heart. And again, in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to have joining the family, which is again all about being connected in heart. It's, like, it's saying, as I say to people on the, on the joining the family course, what you're saying is, I'm with you, count me in. I'm, 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 this is the church I want to be part of. And I'm wanting to share with you. I want to partner with you. I want to share my life these next years with you. And I want to invest here. And that's what joining the family is about. So having thanked them for their generous gift, Paul wants to make it very plain that he isn't desperate. Okay? There's a lot of difference between thanking a church for generously giving and playing on the heartstrings of sympathy. Okay? We're used to often seeing um, sort of charities... uh, reaching out to us in the TV and on magazines with um, emaciated donkeys and uh, children that are kind of slumped into corners, informing us how just for three pounds a month, you can totally change their lives. But Paul was, wasn't wanting to kind of give the Philippian church any sense of feeling pity for him or a sense of, you know, I'm stuck here in prison. I haven't really got a lot to eat. You know, thank you so much. He's not doing that at all. So he's doing a very different thing. He's saying, he says, verse 11, not that I am speaking from want. Okay? He's actually wanting to say, it's just great that you're connected up with, with, with what God's doing, and it's great to be partnering together. And then he goes on to explain this thing, that this secret, he actually uses the word secret, he's learned to be content in whatever circumstances. And again, I want to ask you, have, have you learned how to be content in whatever circumstances you find yourself in? 
it's important that we don't misunderstand Paul here. In his day, there were many sort of Greek uh, philosophers. There was a kind of teaching of Stoicism, a sort of an approach to life, and it still very much affects us today, to be honest, um, that states that sort of pleasure and bodily needs are really unimportant, and what really matters is self-control, fortitude, improving one's ethical and moral well-being. Does that kind of ring true? Um, and at first, it sounds like Paul's kind of advocating, you know, I've learned how to kind of, these kind of physical things, my physical needs, I can kind of get above it, and I've kind of learned through sort of discipline and kind of learning to deny myself that actually that's how I've kind of learned to deal with it. And he's not saying that, okay? It's rather similar to a kind of stiff, stiff upper lip that we have in kind of, kind of British stiff upper lip, you know? I'm kind of, doesn't matter what's happening, you know, everything must be kind of going bad, but I'm actually gonna carry on going. I'm gonna keep kind of pressing on. And what Paul is saying here is that actually it's quite different than that. It's not a grin and bear it. It's total reliance on Christ. He is the one that strengthens me. It's not about self-reliance. It's about reliance on God. He's saying both poverty and riches have major pitfalls, actually. We live in a society which very much sees the pitfalls of poverty and really is completely blind to the pitfalls of prosperity. With poverty, it can lead to desperation, fear, unhealthy diets and poor health, as we know. But what about prosperity? With prosperity, it can lead to completely sidelining Christ in our lives. So we become increasingly preoccupied with gaining more gadgets and levels of com comfort. And it's also much easier, I think, to develop a hard heart and insensitivity towards the needs of others. We sort of become preoccupied with just the gaining of wealth. Uh, and we see that in our society. It's funny, I'm, at the moment I'm reading in my own sort of quiet times uh, really about the life of Solomon. And uh, he started out being so wise, he was commended for his wisdom. Um, and later on, we just see the kind of snare of mega riches. Uh, is it any wonder, he says in Ecclesiastes 2.10, all that my eyes desired, I did not refuse. <laughs> I just think how <laughs> that, that could be a kind of banner over many, many people's lives in our society. All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse. <laughs> and, uh, and yet, we then get this kind of long list from Solomon, from fish ponds to a multitude of concubines, <laughs> and he says, and yet, you know what? I'm still dissatisfied. It still all comes to nothing. And we just see it, it doesn't deliver. Paul is saying, I found the secret of how to be content in both lack and plenty. How not to come under fear in terms of lack, but also how not to lose my love of Christ and his mission in times of plenty. 
Martin Lloyd-Jones said, again as a Christian author in the kind of 1940s really, uh, the Christian is not just a good, decent, moral man. The life of God has entered into him. There is an energy, a power, a life in him, and it is that that makes him particularly and specifically Christian. It's very... It's not about just kind of self-control, learning how to deny. It's actually about this power that has come into us. We have a power at work in us that enables us to be content in whatever the circumstances we face. Yeah? He lives within us. I always find it humbling when I go to Africa and see Christians who are living in metal sheds, who don't have any bank accounts, who have little more than a few pots and pans and a change of clothes. But you know what? <laughs> they are so happy. They are so content in Christ. They're beaming, in fact, overflowing. And as soon as the worship starts up, they are just jumping for joy. There is a contentment. And you're thinking, you don't have a beam. And yet, there's a contentment in them that is awesome, humbling. Contentment is saying that what I have, I'm happy with. I'm not living in a constant state of striving to get more. It's saying, this is what God's given me. Thank you, God. This is what God's given me. Thank you, God. I found, personally, that at the moment, my heart wants to grumble and complain, and I'm sort of feeling sorry for myself. I'm, I start slipping into envy and coveting about what somebody else has got. It's the time I need to start thanking God, and I think that praise and worship is such a good thing at that time, and you actually start to thank God. You say, thank God for this. Thank God that you've done this. Thank God, and it actually stops all those other thoughts. It blocks them completely, because we actually start to thank God for the things that he has done and is doing through us and for us. Anne and I lived for years, had years when our family were young. We didn't have a lot. We lived in a council house, uh, or council flat at one point, with no lift, on the second floor, we had five kids under five. We had no car. We traveled everywhere on the bus. <clears throat> we, we, we ate, and our tummies were full, but probably not a lot of fruit and veg. There was a lot of kind of white bread and pasta. <laughs> but we were happy. And strangely, I think, when I look back, the children were just completely oblivious to it. Uh, it was normal for them. We used to go out for long walks on Saturdays with the dog because it was free. And I think, I look at those times and I think we need to kind of remember just the times that he has blessed us. At times when you're suddenly struck with things and it's not just about material things, okay, but actually we start to kind of look and start to think, oh, I wish I, I don't have that and I don't have that. Actually, we need to focus in on God 
and stop our striving and just ask God and say, I thank you, God, what you've done in my life. All the world, all that the world has to offer us is actually nothing compared to this one thing that actually we have Christ at work in us. He has chosen us and we have him with us. It's an amazing thing and it helps us as we focus in and say, but I've got Christ. Actually, it's wider than finance. It applies to other challenges in life. Sickness. We believe God heals. We've seen many people in this church healed. And yet there can be long periods of time. There'll be people here right today that have got long periods of time where they're enduring some kind of ill health or discomfort. God is your contentment. We dwell in him. Maybe we could get the band back on. Um, the same can be said for childlessness or marriage. These are hard challenges. You can say, why, aren't, why don't I have children? Why aren't I married? They're hard challenges. It's often not just a short-term thing. When I talk to people who are kind of carrying these things, often they're just carrying it for, for years. And they would say to me, it's like a daily struggle. It's not that you kind of get to the point where you've got no desire or yearning, but you find your peace in God. Paul is saying in verse 13, I, I remember learning this when I was 17, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And <laughs> I think when I was younger, I think I thought that just meant I could do whatever I kind of desire. Like it's a kind of a, a magic verse that means I can kind of like, just if I can kind of, if I want to do this, I can do it in Christ. I think actually in context, what Paul is actually saying, and this is the context in this chapter, He's saying, you know what? Christ gives me strength to be content in whatever circumstances life throws at me. Whether it's a lack of finance, there's a lack of work, or it's a lack of health, there's a lack of children, or the lack of a godly spouse. He strengthens me that actually I'm content in him. I'm content to say, God, I'm trusting you that you know my needs and you're the one who looks after me. Do you know that you have God living inside of you, strengthening you? This isn't self-denial or stiff upper lip, mind over matter. It's about Christ's strength at work in us. I want to leave you this quote from Martin Luther. And he says, 
I have many things in my hands, and I've lost them all. But whatever I've placed in God's hands, that I still possess. And that's just a, a strengthening word. Let's stand up. Let's worship God together. Let's thank him. Saying, thank you, God, for all the things you've given me. Lord, help me when I'm prone to murmuring and getting upset. I want to trust you, God. I, want to, I know that you are my all in all. You're my strength. You're my redeemer. I love you.